Hello and welcome to Expert Opinion in ENT podcast series. This is Dan Robinson and today I'm talking to Dr. Larry Kalish and the topic is douching the nose. Larry Kalish is a Sydney-based rhinologist uh, who is currently the chair of ASONS in New South Wales as well as being head of department at Concord Hospital. Welcome, Larry. Thank you. So, Larry, the topic is douching the nose, and I'd like to start off with what are the options for delivery of a wash to the nose? So we start off with the metered dose sprays. There's a lot of evidence to show the metered dose sprays don't go anywhere. 80% of a metered dose spray lands on the head of the turbinate and comes back out. Even if you try and alter your technique, spray in, aiming it outwards towards at 45 degrees towards the middle meatus, only about 20% will reach the middle meatus, and less than 1% of a spray will ever get into the sinuses. So trying to do a douche with a simple spray doesn't seem to work. Interestingly enough, there's no evidence to show that correcting uh, the anatomy or decongesting the nose increases the delivery significantly either in a spray form. The next way is a continuous spray, uh, the aerosolized sprays. Now, there's probably more effective in, in uh, washing up the nose, but again, the delivery into the sinuses in an excellent cadaver study uh, run through St. Vincent's, they showed that there very little actually gets into the sinuses themselves. The next, we look at higher volume, and we can break those up into high volume, high pressure, and high volume, low pressure delivery mechanisms. Now, a high volume High pressure would be a squeeze bottle rinse, where you are have at least 200 mils. That would be a minimum. Some people call high volume anything over 100 mils, but you know, largely in Australia, it's accepted about 200 mils or more. And you actually use the force, the squeezing, to deliver a higher pressure. The irony I believe of this is that I feel the most useful way to rinse the nose, addition nose, the squeeze bottle rinse is not to press hard, to press gently. But we'll discuss that a little bit later. And then you get a high uh, volume, low pressure, and that would be the neti pot or the kettle, where there is no pressure being applied to the device, but simply by tipping your head, you will actually fill up the sinuses themselves. Bulb syringes, Tumi syringes are used overseas quite extensively, but not widely used here in Australia. Larry, are you able to cover what the evidence is for each delivery system and uh, what works best, in your own opinion, as a delivery of wash to the nose? Again, so there's not a lot of randomized controlled trials looking at this at, pleasant, at present. There are some excellent recent reviews which have tried to make recommendations and, and look at the variety of different evidence. Most of the studies looking for delivery are done in a variety of, of cadavers or, or live patients and uh, not always generalizable to to our, our, you know, our clinical situation. What we do know, or we seem to accept at least, is that the higher volume are better than the low volume. There's been no difference shown between a high volume, high pressure, or high volume, low pressure. In other words, a neti pot and a squeeze bottle are more or less equivocal. But both seem to be better than um, a continuous spray. There is evidence to show that nebulizers, which are very popular overseas, but thankfully not used in Australia, do not successfully deliver product to the, uh, to the nose. The most important thing that's been shown is that the state of the sinuses is probably the most important factor in delivery. In other words, in an unoperated sinus, regardless of the delivery device, the ability to deliver to the sinuses is a lot lower than in a maximally operated such as a patient who's had a lothrops and a medial maxillectomy. 
is there evidence, uh, Larry, to support the use of isotonic versus hypertonic saline to the nose? Again, evidence, there is evidence out there. The evidence from the systematic reviews suggests that hypertonic is better than isotonic. However, we've got to take a step back here. I believe the effect of a nasal douche or wash is a mechanical effect. What are we doing? We are trying to rinse away the eosinophilic mucus, the inflammatory mediators sitting in the nose and allow the delivery of a steroid. Or it's a medium to deliver either a steroid or a topical antibiotic or another form of medication into the nose. And whether it is isotonic or hypertonic, I'm not sure if it makes as much of a difference. The studies do show, they have been a few studies to say that show hypertonic are more effective. It may simply be that people are more aware of a hypertonicity and the sensation is better than actual objective improvement. Some people have argued against hypertonic because hypertonicity, when placed in a in vivo, so an in vitro state, is thought to be ciliotoxic or ciliostasis. But the reality is that in a wash, you're not bathing your cells in, 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 in 3 or 4 or 7% uh, saline. You're simply rinsing it. There's a quick, brief wash away uh, um, of the of the actual mucus, and the, the, the cilia will continue to work. Some of the benefits of a hypertonicity may be an ability to change the rheology of the mucus. In other words, to make the mucus a little bit less viscous and easier for the, uh, the cilia to, to um, get rid of it. And there are some washes on the market that have xylitol added to them. Can you briefly cover what xylitol is and also whether there's any evidence uh, to support its use? So xylitol is a natural sugar alcohol with a five-carbon structure, and it's been introduced as uh, a product in chewing gum. And it was thought that it had some anti-inflammatory or anti-bacterial um, properties. Uh, it was then found that if you give it to kids and they chew lots of chewing gum, they may have a reduction in um, a recurrent acute otitis media. The initial studies were very promising. The larger board studies really haven't backed it up. And the practicality of the number of, 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 of the amount of zolotol you have to chew in order to reduce your, your, um, your recurrence rate significantly it probably doesn't make it a practical uh, choice. But because of that, people have really looked at it. And they also looked at it in the way it may affect the lungs. Because in patients, especially with cystic fibrosis, you have the so-called airway surface liquid. And this is thought to contain a number of different uh, antimicrobial properties, which is part of the innate immunity of the body. And xylitol definitely had an effect on that and was shown to be effective in cystic fibrosis. So there's this anecdotal uh, um, data. It helps prevent uh, infections and caries in teeth. It may prevent recurrent infections in the uh, uh, ears. It is effective in a rabbit model to try and prevent biofilm formation, and it has an effect in the airways of cystic fibrosis patients, so it should potentially work in the sinuses. But the actual evidence showing that directly is currently not available. Larry, uh, there are several other products which are added uh, to a wash bottle by certain people. I was wondering if you could run through their potential indications, uh, starting with Manuka Honey. So Manuka Honey, it was an idea born from the Adelaide group. I think it's a wonderful idea because Manuka Honey, as we all know, is a great uh, uh, antibiotic. 
It has antistaphylococcal and antipseudomonal biofilm properties. They've shown that Manuka honey uh, can break down biofilm in vitro. And again, that's a, the big leap always from in vitro from a petri dish into the nose itself. The active component is uh, methylglyoxal, and they've looked at this, and there's a few reasons they believe that it has low pH, hydrogen peroxide generation. It's very, um, it causes hyposmolarity and biofilm sidal activity. So for all these reasons, it's potentially a great product. The problem is making it practical. And the doses required of the um, methylglyoxal were way too high or way too viscous to make Manuka Hudley practical within the, um, in a wash itself. So great idea, great concept. I'm sure they're still working on it, and they're sure they're still looking at what, because it's not just the NGO that's, that, that's, that, that's, that has the good effects. There are other factors. And when they're able to extract the right material and put it into a substance, which isn't that as viscous as trying to push honey through our sinuses, it, it has future potentials, but currently there's no active potential in the sinuses themselves. And what about vitamin D, adding vitamin D to a wash bottle? Having a lot of experience with vitamin D in a wash bottle topically. We, do, we have been looking at vitamin D status of a lot of our patients. Incidentally, vitamin D deficiency is being increasingly recognized. It's probably, you know, as each pendulum swings, we keep telling slip, slop, and slap, don't get in the sun, and as a result, vitamin D levels are going down. Vitamin D is not in itself... Uh, vitamin. It's actually a hormone. And it has been shown to be key in a number of inflammatory uh, uh, conditions, of which chronic rhinitis sinusitis may be one of them. So vitamin D supplementation may have a role, and any patient I identified to have a vitamin D deficiency um, is given a vitamin D supplement, 2,000 international units, twice a day for a month, and then once a day for three months to supplement them. But its use in an actual vitamin D bottle, I'm not aware of. And I haven't seen a lot of research on that at present. How about uh, baby shampoo, Johnson's baby shampoo? Johnson's baby shampoo um, at a 1% concentration was shown by the Philadelphia group to be effective. And it's probably most effective because it has some um, uh, uh, biofilm breaking properties. It's a detergent, in other words. I find it most useful to break up that very thick, viscous, either crust or eosinophilic mucus, and it helps a lot. And it's been used quite widely, and I use it, and a lot of people use it. Once again, you've always got to make sure when you're using it, you're using it in sinuses that are open and patent. I see it often added to metadose sprays or in unopened sinuses. I don't believe there's any role for it. There are a number of detergents which have been put forward, and there was recently a company that put forward an outstanding product, but unfortunately was recalled because of potential damage to smell. Now, that's going to be looked into and that product will probably be relaunched. I think there definitely is a role for an anti-detergent in the nose to try and help us break up this thick viscous mucus, this thick viscous uh, uh, eosinophilic mucus, which is really where the inflammation is. Now we talk about the, where is the, the, the actual fight. The fight's on the surface of the nose and the lining of the nose is inflamed. And we've got a great product which we discussed in a previous podcast on topical steroids. We've got to get those topical steroids to the lining of the nose. And most commonly, there's this thick, inspissated mucus which is stopping us. And getting it out in the rooms is sometimes impossible. You and I have both been there trying to suck it out of patients with a sucker, pull it out, and it's almost impossible. And what we need is products which can break it down. And the detergent seems like the, the next best thing. So at present, 1% uh, uh, Johnson's Baby Shampoo is effective. 
to some degree. There haven't, it, safety has been demonstrated, but studies have not shown that it, that it, it alone can uh, prevent biofilm uh, formation, especially against Pseudomonas. So it's just an adjunct to our current treatments. And uh, finally, uh, the use of antifungals in a wash bottle. Okay, I think the antifungal argument is being signed and sealed. There is no role for the use of antifungal. Good systematic review to show that at present, antifungals topically are not used. Interestingly enough, the question uh, is, what about topical antibiotics? And I think that's still a controversial one. The first thing is we add Johnson's Baby Shampoo, we add topical steroids, we add uh, possibly even vitamin C, uh, vitamin D, I apologize, to the, the washers. And to date, the, the most of the side effects have been irritation, possible compromise to smell. But a lot of people add antibiotics into the washers. And where we're going to be careful is that there have been quite significant side effects reported. There have been, especially with the nebulized products, there have been laryngospasms, uh, odor toxicity, very rare, nephrotoxicity, um, um, uh, throat irritation from adding it. So we've really got to be careful with just throwing anything into a wash bottle. When they looked at the evidence, the evidence of topical antibiotics in a wash bottle is quite diverse. And what it shows you is that when you just use empiric treatment, you know, a patient comes in, they have an infection, you throw your favorite antibiotic, maybe some eupyrosin, and then treat it, they actually in the, look good in the small trials, but the biggest trials didn't support it. But I think there definitely is a role for the, for the uh, culture-directed antibiotics. I think when you grow a pseudomonas, you know it's sensitive to tobramycin, and when you can safely deliver that to the nose, there may be a role for that. Uh, the studies for mupirocin were promising again, very good in vitro studies, very good pilot studies, but the Adelaide group had published a randomized controlled trial, showed it was very effective in reducing the staph, or more effective, I should say, than augmenting and reducing staph, but as soon as you stop the mupirocin wash, the staph just came back. So we've got to kind of really ask ourselves, if we're adding something to the wash, how effective is it, and would it have side effects? And I think when we start adding antifungal or antibiotics, we've really got to think that through very carefully. So we've already touched on this, but what, what are the future products which are being investigated to add to the wash bottle and what is on the horizon for additives to uh, douching the nose? So I think that the, the future is topical treatment. That's my belief. My belief is that management of sinus disease would be good surgical access, minimize the amount of inflammatory load in the nose, and then deliver a medicine topically. What can we do? Well, they're looking at mucoadhesive biocompatible drug-eluting polymers, fancy polymers, which will safely deliver the steroid, for instance, and slowly elute it out over time. There are a couple of products. Uh, Kydazen has been uh, touted recently, again, with the Adelaide group, uh, and is currently in a, in, in a you know, preliminary stage as a very safe, inert product to use postoperatively and possibly as a, a, delivery, a drug delivery product. Uh, nanoparticles uh, in, in uh, the America, they've been looking at the nanoparticulate drug tra- uh, carriers very closely. Future, I think we're going to possibly be able to take a sample of the mucus, break it down, possibly even do microarray studies, work out which drugs are best for that particular mucus, and then give designer uh, washers. So washers, you know, we know there's a bit of staph, pseudomonas, and antifungus in, the, in that particular biofilm. Maybe we could put together products in a wash that can target those areas directly. Um, I think there's going to be therapeutics in the future to try and stimulate ciliary function. 
So a number of different products which will activate cilia, especially in patients who have very poor cilia function, and possibly one day the ability to get in the nose, come back to nasalization, so strip the, 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 the lining of the nose completely, and then implant stem cells to grow healthy lining. I think that's our great ultimate goal one day, to strip a nose, implant a stem cell, and regrow a, a healthy mucosal layer. So when it comes to topical treatment, I really believe there's a great future. The very, very near future, I believe, hold uh, steroid sachets, so that rather than using uh, off-label steroids, we're going to get a sachet with maybe a 1,000 milligrams of mimetazone or fluticasone, put it into the wash. It's, it's a steroid plus the, 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 the isotonic concentration of, of, uh, in, of, of electrolytes into your wash bottle and deliver a nice high-dose steroid directly to the sinuses. I think that we're going to see in our immediate future. Thank you for your time, uh, Larry. And uh, stay tuned to the uh, website for further podcasts.